Hey, this is your Aunties Could Never, a podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like back in our day, and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dilemmas with advice only your coolest auntie will give. I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with... Auntie Farah. Auntie Nana. And Auntie Sade. So my fellow sister aunties, I mean, I don't even know where to start this week. (laughs) This, not even just a week, this past month, I don't even know how long, lifetime has just come to a culmination of crazy, horrible events. And I guess we're just today, we're just going to talk about it, everything that's come to mind. So I don't know how you feel. I'm just tired. I think that's the right way to describe my emotion this week. I'm just tired. We're obviously going to all talk about George Floyd and the different ways of what's happened has happened and the response the responses to it do we want to talk about what initially happened for the person living under their rock that doesn't know go ahead okay so george Mm. floyd was a gentleman texas native relocated to minneapolis and he was killed on the 25th of may murdered very slowly over a course of nine minutes by four police officers uh two of whom knelt on his back one of them had his knee on his neck and he lost consciousness and basically died of asphyxiation so since then there's been like a massive outpouring of as you said rage sadness love combination of things one of the things i want to talk about is the response that it's had globally which has been very interesting because most of the time when these things happen in america we see it but it doesn't have the same sort of response So what's been interesting is to see everybody come together and there's been protests throughout the world and conversations throughout the world. And I think that's been a really, really great thing. It's interesting that it's gone across the world. I wish it was more. I feel like it's not enough because I think in the process of seeing all these stories and people marching and protesting, I saw a story about a little black boy in Brazil who was killed by the police. And we know Brazil has its big problems with race. I want more countries to uprise because it's not just happening in america and it's this false narrative that's happening in the uk that oh my gosh it's over there those fucking americans are so racist and they're horrible and it's downplaying what's going on here i mean the protests in the uk people were complaining saying that well, why are they protesting in the uk british police are fantastic they are wonderful frontliners and then someone released a thread of all the black people who have died in police custody or in police presence this country does very well at hiding it. So I just think that there's not enough countries that are taking part in this globe, in this protest. I've been a bit like, how come we haven't had this same response before over here when somebody, I know Mark Duggan, there was riots after him, but there's so many police cases where people have died in police custody or being arrested or after they were arrested because they got hit over the head or something. And we haven't had that response. That's been interesting that now it's coming to the foray, like we're seeing all of their names being written down, but still that's very much a black Twitter, black UK Twitter thread that's going on. I haven't seen that crossing over to Americans talking about it or anybody else. What I've really, really noticed though is way more white people joining in in the conversation 
and listening and participating in this change where the last few times that we've had this taking place, a mass swelling of social consciousness to racism, I haven't seen as many white people getting involved and brands as well jumping on it, but also brands jumping on it and being accused of jumping on it. It seems like in the wake of the corona kind of pointing at celebrity, it's carried on. I wonder if this is taking place purely because we've all been at home and had a moment to reflect during our corona um, retreat that maybe this is what's helped this galvanize much more speed and pace and be more potent in everybody's face than if this had just happened and we were still working if this would have happened at this moment with mass protests around the world i think it's partly because we have been at home uh, for such a long time um, as well, I know in America it's not necessarily like that across the board, but for us definitely it seems like collectively we have been in hibernation. I'm actually quite happy that we've been at home because had that happened and the next day I had to go to work, they would have been playing that role again of not necessarily bringing the subject up, people just ignoring it, it not being talked about it not being discussed, going back into that, that pattern of behaviour. So because we, we haven't had to deal with it, it's actually quite freeing that I can actually just be and just feel and just grieve if I want to grieve, be angry if I want to be angry and all that kind of stuff that we don't often have time to do that in our everyday lives. And the fact that up until the protest, people weren't going out en masse <laughs> like this. And it seems like, okay, it kind of is... Mm, I don't want to say an excuse to get outside, but you can legitimately go outside and be with other people and that sort of thing, uh, which I think is a human need. And then the other thing with the with the companies, yeah, I think like some of them it is bandwagony. I think Pretty Little Things they made a terrible, terrible mistake. I think they're one of the worst that I've seen. I didn't see that. Okay, so Pretty Little Thing, basically Jackie Ina, I think she's probably arguably the most. Uh, known black female influencer she called out different brands she mentioned like you know we see you popping up in verses <laughs> which we all seen but where are you where, you know why are you not coming out and saying anything and then you know I think someone obviously got wind and was just like okay cool let's put up something and pretty little thing decided I don't know whose idea it was to do this graphic but basically it was like two hands and like the white hand was like kind of like this pinky kind of pale color. And the black hand was an unrealistic black and had black nails as well. And it's just like, I can't understand how this has gone through people. And they said, yeah, this is great. Yeah, we should do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, go, press send, upload it. Proud of their work. My only thing is, I don't know who the artist is. If it happens to be a black artist and I can understand why they may not have wanted to question it. However, someone needed to read the room. You can just check, like, what, what do people feel about this? Also, as well, if you have more black people on your staff team, in your departments across the board, right, it's harder for you to embarrass yourself when you have a diverse team. And it's annoying as well, right, because they are everywhere. So it's annoying when, you know, it's just like... Ugh, you as well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So I think Knight done an okay job. I think Reebok probably done a better job in their messaging. They were very, very clear that it was about black lives. I literally am just looking at the image and it is just like, oh, this is so silly. 
The thing is, I think I saw that on someone else's as well. I just can't remember who it was. Because when I saw it on Pretty Little Thing, I was like, I've seen this somewhere else and they've got slagged off for it. I don't have any energy for any of the brands that are doing anything, even in their, even in their best slogan moments. I just want to see the action afterwards because it's really easy when you've got a creative board and a team to come up with the best slogan ever and a great on-point message. Bless their hearts, Sesame Street have gone, have gone dark as well, which was like, you know, the, the trademark green and yellow logo is now black and white. I'm like, oh my God, but at the very least, Sesame Street, you know from my 70s childhood onwards, they've been all about representation and diversity. I don't know about there be people in the boardroom, but at least... We know their message has been on point from day one about diversity, kindness, love and sharing equality. I'm really cynical about every single other brand until I see you guys doing something different. I don't even care that you've got a great graphic or a great slogan. I think I saw on Twitter and I've joined that bandwagon on Twitter. Show your executive board, show your team members, show us who they are. And we are recording on Blackout Tuesday, this movement for everything to shut down and spearheaded by the music industry. But actually, I want, I want the music industry to stop putting out the notion that if you're black, you must talk about sex, violence, drugs, crime to be a successful artist. Mm-hmm. We want the record industry to really push forward artists that are not talking about that because we've held on to this notion that it's real talk, it's street life, it's our reality, but it's not all our realities. And actually, it doesn't have to be the only story you talk about. Rap doesn't have to be just about that. Yes, real talk and the harshness of the reality, but talking about how much men you've, boys and girls and people you've killed and fucked and destroyed in your community is not really our narrative, really. We are so much more than that. So let the Mm -hmm. record industry, we're gonna spearhead this thing. I beg black and white execs in the industry alike, stop pushing the narrative that this is the only narrative that works in music for black music. Then I'll know that this blackout means something. So BAFTA have put something out basically saying we stand with black people and black lives matter. And it's hold on, BAFTA so white, same people. Mm -hmm. You're standing with us now reflect it like you said in everything else that you do and that's what I want to see I want to see people really embrace this and and reflect it amongst their own brand within their own groups not just for a slogan it's not just about a slogan I was um, reading somebody's post about BAFTA also announcing today their new I think it's like an awards chairperson an Asian man has been appointed yeah he's BAFTA's chair and um, he's been a producer and director. What's his name? His name is Krish Mujamda. Okay. Krish Mujamda. He did, and I remember the documentary that he did because it was quite controversial. It was like, uh, it's either don't call me nigger or I'm not your nigger. It was about Asian, the tensions between Asian people and black people. Mm. That's what the document, and it was on Channel 4. It's just interesting, again, that they put this information out today. And sometimes it does really feel like people just ride our coattails. They jump on. But I think in these moments, if we're all watching, then we need to really pay close attention to certain companies. And really, if they don't fulfill their remit, like they're saying they're standing for Black people, if they don't, it is like a collective cry because you now put a stake in that, I, okay, I back you guys, I'm with you. And as soon as they're not, that's the ones who we collectively go for. There's no point in just aimlessly flying at brands when they do something wrong who haven't actually put a stake in saying, I am backing the black community. 
Mm. Now we mm. have this moment. I think that's a direction force. That's a, a sign put point that actually you said you was with us and you're doing this. So yeah. again, L'Oreal Paris, before when they um, dismissed um, Monroe, what could we say? They hadn't said that they were for black people in any way. Now you're saying that you are standing mm-hmm. by black people. You need to apologize for what you did previously and release a statement that at this point in our history, we were on the wrong side of history. And now we see the error of our, like you have to, there has to be justice. I think that's the point with all of this. It's like, you can't move on without there being, uh, hold my hands up, I got this wrong, to move into change, to move into peace. We need justice. You can't aimlessly be like, I'm with black people. No, it's sorry for the wrongs that I did before. George the Poet was on Newsnight. Yes. And um, he was talking to Emily Mat- Matlis. I don't know how she says, pronounces right. her surname. And she was asking him, you know, what's happening? Is this like a Me Too movement? for um yes she said that is this is this similar to a me too movement for black lives matter and george the poet he was very eloquent in his responses to her and he basically said that it's tragic that 60 to 70 years after civil rights we still need to educate and sensitize you into what is the issue and then she was like oh well you're not putting britain and america on the same footing are you i mean police here don't carry guns and the legacy of slavery is not the same. And I'm just like, this dumb bitch. Yeah, and I'm gonna use I'm gonna use those words. I'm going to use those words. Dumb bitch. Because how can you say that the legacy of is of slavery? And this is the problem with is why she right? <laughs> is she okay? This is the problem with why people don't get it about racism in Britain and what we face over here and I'm not saying that to desensitize and to take away from what's happening in America but like Auntie AK said people are being killed here too I can name some people that I know whose family have been killed in police custody but it was the fact that she just said the legacy of slavery isn't the same here what because you didn't have plantations you didn't have plantations because you couldn't farm what you needed to farm in this country but who picked the slaves who where did the money go from slavery in the same sense that America was built off of the blacks, the backs of slaves. The UK has been built, Great Britain, you know, Absolutely. has been built off of the backs of not only colonization, but fucking slavery. And it was just like, how can you even appear on a show like this and make a statement like that? You clearly haven't educated yourself before you came out here because you never saw people walking down the streets in chains and picking cotton. You think that there's no, you don't need a gun to kill someone in police custody. Let's just make that point. It just showed me again how much there is to do. I'm just so tired. The reason why there's a lack of understanding about the UK's part. The UK yeah. loves to hold on to, well, we were the spearheading of um, abolishing slavery. It was in our courts that it was abolished. So then that's why we're exempt from this narrative. We stopped slavery, but you fucking started it. You helped, <laughs> okay, maybe you didn't start it. You're part of the collective that drove it, enforced it, and kept it going for many hundreds of years. Yep. The blood, blood runs through the freaking city. I say it all the time when... The times when we've gone raving in the city, I feel uncomfortable. I'm, yep. I actually feel uncomfortable because I feel like there's some sort of deal with the devil. Whatever you believe in, there's some unearthly shit in the city. I can't stand it. And those streets are built on our blood. Those, mm-hmm. those banks are formulated and wealthy and strengthened 100%. by our blood. But that's why the city is a whole nother level. So this UK here, 
the reason why it doesn't travel, our stories don't travel, is because they don't know. It's only just now Americans, Black Americans, African Americans, Caribbean Americans are understanding about the Black cultures over here, about who we are over here. Because for how long have we all gone to America and they're like, oh, yo, you got Black people over there? And they have this real kind of weird misunderstanding that we exist in the UK, if not for exports like our actors and creative talent and for Top Boy recently now exposing the fact that, oh, yes, we actually have gangsters. And even though that's not the narrative you want to hide behind, but at least those shows and some of our music and artists and stuff like that are showing that actually we have just the same hardships as you guys. It's just not on the scale. Cause we're not of the scale. The UK is smaller than America. That's the only difference. Our system is the same and Amer British people smile in your face. They're different. Our Americans are more outspoken and we are all globally taught slavery as the benchmark of black history. And that's it. Colonialism for some reason isn't taught because the British have done a number on their PR. They spun themselves so well that colonialism isn't a thing. So to interrupt you, that's because they're still doing it. It's not even the only country that's still doing it. France is, um, you know, 100% yeah. reparations from countries that they were enslaved. Imagine, and David Olasoga's um, Forgotten History um, series that was on the BBC, that touched on that, that how slave owners in the UK were compensated yep. for their loss when slavery was abolished. Yeah. Okay, are you sure? Like, yeah. this history is not taught. And this is the reason why our stories don't travel globally. That's why no one's reacting. We react over here, maybe, in, and we're not even confident in ourselves. We don't have a, a collective narrative, I think, as black people in the UK, because we are so connected to back home, to Africa or to the Caribbean. So we don't have that collective singular story about how we came here so i think that helped that helps divide the narrative and coming together because not everyone feels connected to the same cause whereas african-americans before this whole divisiveness they did collectively call themselves african-americans and they can collectively say our history was slavery that's our one narrative and we can fight on that whereas we africans talk about you know colonialism caribbeans talk about slavery and then being here in the uk we've not even got a black british identity that we collectively move forward for as a business, as a brand name, to help us say like, this is how we identify and this is our movement going forward. So when we're talking about Black Lives Matter, it's like so many different fragment part fragmented parts of Black Lives, whereas Americans, I guess it's African-American lives. So I'm off a tangent, but I think that's the problem with having our story recognized globally and people not reacting to our story. But I think it's happening more. The internet is opening borders and opening gates. Now, I really think Emily, is it Matthias? Anyway, Emily, I think she absolutely understands precisely her gaslighting. When we say they don't get it, they absolutely do get it. They do. It's trolling to perfection. Like that same way that clip is going around where um, the old woman that does the experimentations with the white women. Oh, yeah. like, Jane. Who, yeah. Who, who would stand up if you wanted to trade places yeah. for a black person and all of them are saying, absolutely know what it is they know what the treatment is they know that they don't want it they may not know all the minutiae to the details of it but that's purely because they don't need to know but they know what racism is and we let them off with ignorance when they're not ignorant they're complicit and she's right. gaslighting to get a reaction of a uh, about it when really i wish his reaction was more like you explain it you know what you're doing yes. and i see you like, I really want people to turn it back on that. Don't explain that to nobody, because they know, you explain it. It isn't for us to keep on explaining what this is when it's your action. I really wish they would have 
real discussions with three white people on a panel and one of the white people that is actually talking about white psychosis, white supremacy is there talking to them. And I don't want to put Dr. Shola out of a job, but I do think, I wish it was a white face saying that and not a black woman doing the labor. It irks me that it's always coming from a black voice. This is your moment to change. This is your stamp on DNA and history to change it. It's not for us to do the labor. With the companies stating their position, I do think it's a good thing. And I do think it's definitely a tool to hold them Mm -hmm. accountable, for sure. And I do think it shows that they have been gaslighting, right? This whole not understanding what's going on. It's almost like every conversation is like, racism is something to be discussed. Like, oh, he didn't mean it that way, or that wasn't meant that way. It could have been something else rather than saying what it is. Do you know what I mean? And now it feels like we're very much in the point where, okay, this is absolutely what it is, you know? And it seems to be like there is a consensus. It is what it is. So this feels to me like new territory. Do you know what I mean? I don't think we, well, as far as my life, I've seen anything like this. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like everyone agrees. There's no, there's not real anyone credible discounting black Americans are suffering is from racism right and white supremacy or that or the threat of white supremacy so I think that is really interesting I just want to kind of like jump to the music industry as well with this whole blackout thing I think I'm gonna be conspiracy theory lady today <laughs> I think I am, welcome, I think I am. We, need a, we need a sound for conspiracy you know, theories we really do because like what the fucking hell think about it yeah you've got everyone posting don't get me wrong i posted to my company's gonna do this we're gonna participate just to show what it is and kind of put our stance on it but really and truly you're silencing people at the same time so like i've been told that oh it's come from two people from the black community in america but who are they who started this someone please tell me i need more information where are the clear instructions on what people are supposed to do. It's turned into, we're just shutting up for a day to almost like calm everything down so they can, you know, Trump, if you don't know, he's just called on the National Guards to, um, you know, take uh, presence in multiple states across the US. So there is like a counter campaign. They're saying if you're going to post, don't use the um, Black Lives Matter hashtag. So you're not blocking out the sun, basically. But I just thought, hmm, this is a really, really, really quick way to get people to shut up for a minute. On the other side, I kind of am grateful for the break and not being traumatised every five minutes through scrolling because I do think you need a break from that. But I was just like, I'm not too sure about this. The music industry does has a, has a lot to answer for, to be honest, because it trades off black culture. As long with like the drugs, you know, the misogyny, all that kind of thing colorism is so rife it's unbelievable that you can count usually on one hand how many dark-skinned females there are in any genre of music you know it's insane and i think there are a lot of black people in the music industry but a lot of them drinking from the kool-aid a lot of them just want to reinforce the status quo you know we work with music a lot and the most out-of-pocket backwards thinking has always come from people in music <laughs> always <laughs> just start again i think there are some companies 
I can't remember exactly, but like Canva, for example, I do love Canva, but, <laughs> but they really set out with their blackout what they're going to do. What I've been hearing from the music industry is that, oh, they're going to have a conversation. Conversation about fucking what? We know what the problem is. Stop putting people into shitty deals. Stop promoting perpetual negativity against black people. Mm. Employ people that know what the hell they're doing. It's not hard. I'm tired. And then my, my, my kind of final point before I shout out for a bit is <laughs> with um, Auntie AK, what you were saying about paying back slave owners. Mm. In the UK, that only ended in 2015. There you go. That Ooh, only wow. ended in 2015. In the UK. Mm. Imagine. And the insult to injury <laughs> is that HMRC were like, well done, guys. You paid it off. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. This is what we're living under. Was it James Baldwin? To be a black person, I think anywhere, is to be in a constant state of rage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just suppressing every single fucking day, man. It's enough now. The music industry thing has got my goat. I think I had someone who I know very well, who works in industry, call me last night and say, what the F? I work in the music industry. I don't even know what to do. And as a black woman in this position, I'm now tasked with having to send out our brand message about what the industry is going to do. But yet the email that went round, no clue what it's got. There's no clear directive. Because I've seen black, black guys that I know, and it's black men actually, who are CEOs of black music labels, record labels and stuff over here, who have put out this blackout thing. And again, exactly as you said, Auntie Shade, you guys are the ones who are signing artists and talking about freedom of speech, and that's their truth, they're from the roads. But you're, none of you are saying actually, especially as black men in leadership who've made it out of the hood, as we, because we're all from the hood, obviously we've all come from the hood. We are all impoverished hood rats. We're just inspiring <laughs> to make sure in this <laughs> All of us, that's our one story. So all you wonderful, successful black men who've made it out of the hood and no longer hood rats, why the fuck aren't you telling your, these new signees that actually, fair enough, tell your truth and maybe one your first album, maybe that, maybe you need to get it off your chest about the hardships of the roads, but trust me, your second, third, fourth, a single even, does not need to be about that. Think about other stories, because I think people are saying, well, what else will they talk about? You've got to be true and authentic. We'll fucking find and talk about your maths um, problem, because half of you in school anyway, or just dropped out. <laughs> I left school and I couldn't make it, and now I'm on, whatever the fuck. Talk some sh other shit, because that's not the only stuff that affects us. And it's the record industry that makes these guys think that this is the only way forward. And then our black girls feel like that's about their pussy every single time, and how much guys are going to fuck, and how bad girl, ride, get, ride or die girls they are, because they need to keep up with the men who are making money as well allow all of that tell the that's what the music industry needs to do so stop talking about this conference i don't want to hear I don't know another music conference i don't want a seminar talking about what you're going to do because you don't know right. you're sitting on millions you are literally mm -hmm. sitting on millions black gatekeepers of your own selves who are pushing this narrative that this is how it has to be oh well it's their truth that ain't their fucking truth it really isn't because there's a bunch of them out there who's got mum and dad in the yard as well mm -hmm. quite fine maybe working hard Maybe not, didn't have to, maybe didn't have your latest Air Jordans straight away, but you had the option. So let's not do this. A lot of them are from the Brit school as well. What kind yeah, of coverage is that? That's another thing. You had options, you went Brit school, <laughs> all that type of stuff. I was asked to give a quote. I don't know if it's going to be used because my, my whole quote was, if the industry wants to make a change in the music industry, then stop this narrative, change the narrative and stop forcing our black children to think that the only way to get a number one is by talking about scissor 
fucking guns and how much women you're going to annihilate with your dick and how much <laughs> your pussy is so fucking wonderful and how much dicks you can take up in it. All that shit. Fuck off. Change the narrative. See, the thing is, the blackout thing, I didn't know that that's what they were doing. I thought T.I. had set that day of July the 7th for some blackout day. And I just thought, well, July is really far away. I don't know why you've decided to come up with July. Like, we know what the world is going to be like in July. And so then the June the 2nd came along, and I really thought it was to make your timeline black, to actually state solidarity with black lives. That's what I thought it was about. Until you see the in solidarity with music and it's like actually that's a huge point music to me is a pillar of racism just like news casters just like journalism it's like they're running concurrently all you all have your brick that is building this house that has been created which is all a part of white supremacy it all feeds into the same thing you have a new music that's created and then soon as it's created, the creativity of it is corrupted with the injection of money and wealth. And then it serves the purpose of white supremacy. They go hand in hand. So for music to really be like I am now stepping into being against racism, you also need to have your structures removed. And that's the whole thing of change. Everything needs to come up and be unearthed and a new story has to has to come forward you can't just shut up for a moment for today and then tomorrow we're hearing the same stuff that's not good enough because the same stuff is racist it's still putting black people in a bad light it doesn't you're all perpetuating the same thing you're all part of the narrative you're actually feeding the fear that policemen have that actually gives them documentation to act it's like a cycle you're all feeding into it because you're all a part of it so to me it's like lots of artists are no different to this man who had his leg on the man's neck you have your beats on the necks of our children you're feeding this school to prison pipeline you're all a part of it just to switch it slightly so you guys have all heard of Virgil Abloh Artistic director of Louis Vuitton's menswear collection since March 2018. He's also the chief executive officer of the Milan-based label Off-White. He's been dragged making $50 donation to a bailout found fund for George Floyd protesters. So on the back of seeing that trending, and also, by the way, they've now, re- we want to say keep it 100. They're now saying we're going to keep it two virgils because it's just <laughs> now become a new slang terminology. I can't wait to find the perfect time to say keeping it two virgils with you i'm just it's amazing (laughs) black twitter love you anyway um so going down the rabbit hole of understanding you know people unearth that he's got a um, a white wife of course they unearthed that he's one of his children his son's actually called gray i don't know if that's an ode to his mixed race heritage or not but that's what his son is called and it's not even about his kids it's about also his reaction to the riots that have happened and how a store called round two which is a famous brand store founded by three white guys sean wotherspoon Chris Russo and Luke Freitcher, um, their stores have been looted, raided and destroyed in, uh, specifically, I think he was talking about the one in LA. Now this store trades on vintage goods. There's a lot of memorabilia and stuff that alludes to black culture. 
in amongst skaterboard culture, in amongst cult culture. But there's a lot of like two-pack t-shirts and biggie t-shirts, that type of thing up in there, plus streetwear and all that type of stuff. So Virgil emotionally tweeted against the Black Lives protesters saying, talking about all the fucking hard work that these, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know, I guess that's how he speaks. Fucking hard work these bros have put in. Sean has put in so much hard work in resourcing and building this. So yeah, basically he went in on saying, cussing people, saying that they shouldn't be doing it. And this is what this guy's done for the community. So I went down a further rabbit hole looking at what round two have done for the black community. I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I couldn't find anything. And I would look at, I put in round two charity, round two community, round two black people, all this I was trying to find. And I'm, I'm not saying that these three guys have not done anything. But so far, I've not seen any community project spearheaded by round two. I cannot see what they've done. So then what I did find in every single cool article headline about round two and their now seven stores that they've now got on the back of predominantly street brand culture, which is obviously created by us. What I have seen in every piece of content about them is all the black male, specifically predominantly black male, cool artists who are endorsing them. They have risen because of ASAP Rocky, Little Ferg, all the little, little named little rappers, all the kind of cool black male influencers. All their names are dropped in all these headlines from people like Hype Beast and Complex, all these cool so-called brands that are endorse this kind of culture. Everything about round two has been endorsed by black celebrities. Now, the full circle thing, I think my question was, what are we gonna do about black men in this industry who have so readily let our culture go to the vultures I'm not blaming them solely, but they are our gatekeepers in the black community. Black men have got it better when it comes to ownership and controlling the businesses that we are successful in. It's, it's more black men, male names in the, in the forefront. I know there are black women, successful black women, but in the forefront with a celebrity stamp on it. What are we going to do? How do we speak to them about this? Because they, they, they're endorsing these people. Virgil's crying. He made a £50 donation and is crying about his white friends who's got seven stores. So one store's destroyed. I'm not saying it's not important. One store's destroyed. They've got seven stores across America. I don't know if they would cry about Virgil's store being um, shut down. I'm not sure if they would. They might say, hey, bro, dude, that's bad, dude. But <laughs> what would they really do? You know? So I just, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that came out of that rabbit hole that I went down. I just got to, that's my, ex, ugh, that's my, um, brain dump about Virgil. You know what it was about Virgil though? It made me laugh because I really feel that 2020 is the year that made people show their ass. Yeah. Like, it's like, he couldn't, it, he, it's like Joe Biden. It's like he almost just turned around and just pulled down his pants and you just showed your ass. Yeah. This dude was on his way to being heralded as like one of the top black designers. Like really was almost on that that level of, oh my word, like Virgil, like look at what he, where he went from being behind Kanye, like look where he is. And then he showed his ass. And it's like, really, we just have to be thankful that he did this, that he showed his ass. It's like, thank you, now we can ignore you. So I'm actually very grateful that he only donated 50 pounds. I'm very grateful that he thought his proximity to privilege would allow him to run his mouth at this moment and show his ass to us. Thank you very much, Virgil. You can now be struck off and we don't need to look at you anymore because you need black gays. He needs black vote to co-sign 
his coolness and his excellence. That can now be revoked. And then we can see another person. It's like all it is is he's just removed the spot for another man to step into and for us to give him that greatness to shine on. I have no problems with him. They need to come out, show their ass so that we can remove them. Come out and show your ass so that we can remove you. Like, not everybody is going to be for us. And the more we know who isn't for us, the better it is for us. Like, I, I, I am thankful. Keep on showing your ass so that we can cancel you. It's all good. Definitely the season for Cullen. Like, you know, let's get rid of as many people who are not down for the cause as possible. I think he screenshotted it, right? That, like, he, he'd done it himself, right? <laughs> you could have just said, I donated. No, you are proud that you only donated $50. Like, people are doing 100 grand. Didn't Chrissy Teigen do 200 grand? Someone tried to say some shit, and she was like, well, I'm going to double it. Do you know what I mean? And there's you, $50. <laughs> You should be ashamed of yourself. Go and flog yourself, in fact. Seriously. What kind of nonsense? He's a disgrace, man. He's actually a disgrace. Can I just say that he's since come out and done like a full, it seems like it's like a 10-page essay saying, I am a black man. No, you're not. A a dark (laughs) black man every day of my life. I've emigrated from Ghana. And then he basically... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know he was one of you guys. No, he's not. But but basically, he's like, I did $50 because that's what the trend was. So I did $50. But, 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 but. Then he goes on to say that he donate. he's actually donated more than 50 to um, the bail fund of people. So, yeah. Of people. Of people. See, it doesn't quite say that, but it just says that uh, in his you statement, that's after. what he's talking. Of course it was after. <laughs> and like you said, he's a moron. Like, how dare you do $50? Come on now. Dre did 100000 and then the yeah. weekend did 500000 Yeah. Wow. So okay. it's like, Quan weekend. So it's yeah. like, come on now. You knew that wasn't the trend. That's the trend amongst us lot, us broke mofos that ain't got no papers. Do you know and fifty pound, fifty dollars is a lot of money. That's what it is. It's our trend. Right. It's not your trend. When right. mans are paying X amount of dollars to have your shit on. Come on now, Virgil. Virgil, do better. Come on now, Virgil. Come on now, Virgil. Come on now, Virgil. <laughs> do better. Virgil's been axed, man. Virgil ain't in the club no yeah. more. You've had Virgil's- your moment. Virgil's with Raven Simone. It's what happens, man. Mm-hmm. Virgil, Raven Simone, and Stacy Dash. Stacy Dash. Yeah, they need to make a club. Another thing with round two, I looked on their um, price list. I don't understand how that community reflective. And I think I saw someone on Twitter saying, "Yeah, but these guys' prices, they're not for the community that you're talking about. Should be grateful." So, <laughs> what are you saying? Because the black community or the people who are protesting can't afford round two prices. They can't afford a 3,000 vintage throwback of Biggie Smalls. Are you all fucking all right? <laughs> like, come on, man. I, I, I need to see the philanthropy of the round two guys because Virgil, your best black friend, is crying <laughs> on Twitter about the loss and devastation of your shop. So I really need to understand why I've got to also cry over you guys before George Floyd. I need to understand. 
I have very low tolerance for people who try to sell my culture back to me. I cannot stand the Cartney. There's a long list. These guys sound like that's what they're trying to do. I can't really rate you. I'm not gonna. Cry. I'm not gonna cry for you because you're already taking a piss. I just can't. I can't do it. And also that these people need to understand. Like I think they do understand that when they're in our community, you're a guest, right? You're a guest, or you should be a guest. It's people like Virgil are problematic because you make them. You kind of give them a license to do whatever they want, so they forget they're a guest. You're fucking guests. Relax, man. Seriously. And Virgil, you're doing the most. You're actually doing the most and you don't have to. You don't have to do that, hon. Like, seriously. Or maybe you do. Maybe they're the ones that are giving you the 50 pounds or $50. Maybe they're giving it to you so you have to ride for them or something. It's like, you know, when you go to a concert and you see white people with their black friends and they're saying like raps on and the, the n-word comes on and their white friends are saying it hard and they're like yeah riding with them when they're saying it it's like that i always look at those black people like are you okay the shop brand it's called round two i think they're called they've got a couple and i think round two was their second store but um they've got basically they've expanded to multi-states that the thing is, is that I really looked into it. I really wanted to have my backstory to make sure that I wasn't overstepping or saying the wrong thing about these wonderful philanthropists. They've also got a YouTube page now where they do video commentary on stuff. So they're blowing up. They're making sneakers. They've got limited edition sneakers, all this type of stuff. Nike exclusive editions, all that type of stuff. The frequenters of their stores primarily are white people and rappers black rappers you might get one or two cool black skater kids or whatever in there maybe they can save every piece of of their their hood rat, um pocket money because we're all from the hood maybe they've <laughs> saved some of their pocket money to get maybe one specific item from there just to say they can wave it around their, their clientele is predominantly white or rich black folk it makes me laugh when these black people show their asses and sacrifice themselves <laughs> generally for white people I've just gone through all of their social medias. Where is their plea for everybody to forgive Virgil? <laughs> why, why, why did they not come to the brother's rescue? Now Virgil right. is doing seven slides of text. Text, <laughs> text, begging to be let back in. Virgil, you showed your ass. And the people that you need to speak to is the ones that you spoke up to that enabled you to be showing your ass where now we're like, you're cancelled. This is a legitimate cancellation. We just need to leave him to the Louis Vuitton that he works for. What did we expect? Like, he sold out his best friend. He works for an agent that doesn't help any black people. Like, what did we expect from him? Like, he just needs to be cancelled. It's cool. Thank you, Virgil, for your services. Your melanin will deplete from you. I wish you could do that to somebody, that you could be a... (laughs) And then before you know, all their melanin's gone. And then then where's your story? But no, Mm -hmm. Virgil, it's all right. Uh, (laughs) I was just going to say, well, two things. About depleting melanin, I saw a really great short film that Bashi's in and um, he gets abducted by these racists. Not abducted, he gets beaten up by these racists. And then some black people yes. oh, abduct yes. him, <laughs> abduct the racist guy, and they tattoo his whole body black. <laughs> <laughs> That's what should happen! My other side note was people are so enraged about the riots and the looting and stuff like that. And, oh, it's wrong, and Trump, Trump wants to build, bring out, you know, the army 
because people are looting, even though a lot of the looting is not being done by people of colour. And it's also not being done by anyone that was actually protesting for real. But Mm -hmm. they're so enraged, more so than the fact that they haven't arrested the other three officers. Why is that offending you more that someone is taking a material item than the fact that there are three officers who were clearly involved in the murder of a man that are still at home, chilling? That's the false narrative that's being put out there. I saw, yeah. I think I saw another black, I think a black woman crying about Gucci talking, cussing people. So yeah. And, and, and you're quite, uh, uh, that's why, so even Nana, when you're saying Virgil's cancelled, you know, like tomorrow people are going to be back at Off-White and breaking the neck for Louis Vuitton belts and shit, whatever little thing they can just about afford. And ASAP Rocky, Rocky and the like are still going to be endorsing, you're my bro. So it's this, this materialism thing that we need to let go of as well as a problem because people are reacting more buildings yes there's that narrative about black owned stores you know having to put up signs i think i, I can't remember who i spoke to i think it was you i'm auntie shiny we were speaking and you were saying that look when carnival comes around everyone knows when carnival's happening yeah the shops get boarded up be prepared so from now and not to criticize black owned businesses because maybe even resources might be tough to come by but at the same time you know there's going to be a protest this is for any business you know there's a protest coming you know the mood of the club you know what tends to happen have your plywood on guard. Have your carpenter ready to nail stuff to the windows and then get out there and do your thing. Don't leave yourself vulnerable and then say, oh, my short, my this, my that. No, 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 no. No, I love it. Even if you can't do that, even if you don't have the resources to get plywood and do all of that kind of stuff, stand in your shop, at the front of your shop and hold up your banner that says, I'm with you. Do you know what I mean? If you're a Black-owned business... I think people have done that and people have said, fuck it, because I think I've seen a few things <laughs> oh, that has well. happened. Like black owned, they try and spray black owned, don't do it, and it has been done. But, but in the moment of fury, even if you're not part of it for that, and you're just doing it for kicks, in the moment of the groundswell of fury, people haven't got time to be determining this, that, and the other. They're just raging. Yeah. People, those people who, people who say they fight and then they lose their minds and they just black out and just fight, that's what's happening now. Yes, you can put into categories who's there for what reason. In the groundswell of it all, the reaction is society is fucked and people are just using their, this time to fucking get it off their chest. We have people like Tamika Maori, who's doing wonderful things, who has been doing amazing things, like a freedom fighter and speaking on behalf of the culture and doing great stuff for us. And there's one or two other people who are really standing up and we're looking at them as leaders. But there are some people who just haven't read the room at all. So people like Heidi Klum, who posted um, that was it. basically All Lives Matter, with her multicultural family. Um, Madonna, who oh. got her son to dance for freedom, basically. <laughs> and, uh, and Charlie Brake in the UK, who was supporting a tweet by Donald Trump, who got called out by Amber, who won it last year. So my question is, make it a little bit more lighthearted. have you seen anyone or what is your worst example you've come across where people just have not read the room i've seen so much i can't even chase it back to source but i think my for me would have been virgil that would have been my biggest moment of fuck off but i didn't see heidi Klum's one at all actually madonna will come second yeah. i don't even know interchangeable because david look i want to free david <laughs> Because I don't David provided much <laughs> comic relief at that moment. I appreciated the thread 
that came yeah. from that. Because I was like, this is, man, we are so creative. Like, yeah. black people, <laughs> and white, you can't test us. When one not. Like, the, yeah. the memes that were created, <laughs> I, I'm sure even Madonna herself, you'd scroll down your feed and you would be laughing because it was just... Yeah, uh, you know the the blink twice, David. Like, do you need <laughs> to come and pick you up? Like, thank yeah. you for releasing us from racism. Like, dance <laughs> us into freedom. It was just, yeah, but why? Sometimes I do think they're in such a bubble. It's like he just wanted to express himself in it. I'm not cussing David because he's I say he's so tall and he's forty. He's only fourteen apparently. He's, 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 a, he's a footballer as well. Yeah, I mean, she lives oh, in Portugal. Wow. Fine, David. It's not about wow. you. It's about the woman who's raised you. Nothing's mm. good, David. You go dance if that was your... Just, oh, to, oh, just oh. to jump in, just very quickly, right? Do we know if he posted the same story on his own feed? Because the thing is, if he did, you can't slag her off. If he... No, no, he, but it was, it was her captioning. It was her captioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As she, was aware yeah, 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 done, yeah, yeah. She made it about the cause. I think he but did it about the cause. Yeah. If you look on the in- internet, there are so many people right now using Michael. Michael Jackson's song must be somewhere way up on the Billboard chart right now because it's yeah. been used by everybody. The, there's protesters using that song, dancing on the front line, saying, I don't really learn that. They don't care about it. They're doing it. So as a mother, maybe she was like, oh, look at my, my child. Like, please, she is not a naive woman at all. At all. <laughs> okay, okay, take her celebrity away. Your 14-year-old son <laughs> has done this performance, and he's like, mum, mum, I'm doing this for racism, post it. I'm going to post it to my close friends. How about that? Not the but whole he entire may, he, world. He may be slightly narcissistic and be like, I want it to get to the world. This is yeah. my offering to the world. This is my offering to the world. How's he going to know? Could you really be like i'm not posting this david it's going to get a backlash she may have said that and he was like no no this is my offering to the world this is my offering to the world this is my offering to the community you're just posting <laughs> okay no no you're just posted sorry sorry as a mother of a child who is for making a foray into influencer space we have a hell of conversations about what works what doesn't the other day she did something and she looked like a little beanhead and i was like okay um, it, just, it was just like her positioning. It was nothing deep. But I was just like, okay, daughter, how about trying this angle because it doesn't look right. So there's, there's an artistic creative consultation that we have. And as a parent, especially someone like Madonna who knows, if that conversation was David, like, I, mum, I really, I really want to dance to Michael Jackson and impersonate Michael Jackson in this current climate. As a mother, if it was my son, I'd be like, son, no, don't do that. I might find another way. I would. My son would know me already anyway. If you want to post it, that's your business and you own that. So I think him being a black boy owning that and his thing, that's a little bit different than his white mother saying, mm. my son David's dancing for racism. <laughs> no, sorry, George, no, that's not it. You're not dumb. You're not fucking dumb. And you know, and if you didn't get it, that means you're just a Karen. I grew up wanting to be Madonna. She was my hit, one of my big time pop heroes. I thought she was amazing. She, and I don't want to age women, and I think women should be able to age how they want, but she has aged disgracefully. And I, she has always, however, been, as much as I've loved her, a culture vaulter, a culture appropriator. She has sucked the life out of black culture for her game. Most definitely, 100%, every single time. But she's a queen of reinvention, and yes, props to her, her legacy beforehand. Now, not so much. She's not dumb. 
even her adoption of black children has, I think, comes with some levels of stuff. So no, 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 I cannot, no. David posted, sure. My, Madonna repost her son, like just saying, proud of you, David, leave it at that. Not this whole thing attaching it to George Floyd. No, 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 I'm sorry, she's not done. I wouldn't do it as a mother, as a mother. I 100% agree. I'm not doing that shit. And the thing is, if I'm posting something, I'm going to watch it first, right? So my nephew, he's actually a dancer, okay? <laughs> but he's not officially. That's what he does. He done like a post on talking about racism and talking about the current climate and asking the people who are in his world to stand behind it. And like, he posted it. I watched it as his aunt. And then I looked at the content of it thought it was appropriate, then I reposted it. That's the process as a mature, responsible adult you're supposed to do with your children or the young people in your life. That's what you're supposed to do, yeah? What Miss Madonna done was like, oh my God, my son, he's dancing to Michael Jackson, my longtime friend that's now dead. Let me just post this. That's what she done. No, she just wanted a little bit of attention at that point in time. Like Auntie NK said, she is an appropriator. I used to like Madonna too. Do you know what I mean? I thought it was cool. When I was growing up a very long time ago, I was thinking, oh, she's got cane rolls. Does she have black hair? That was my thinking, not understanding what appropriation was at the time. But I was very young. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, no. And also as well, like how irresponsible as a white mother to put your son in that position without knowing the full consequences or without... It's almost like taking advantage of him. That's irresponsible as well. That's not fair. The backlash that he's getting, even if like some of it might be banter, but some of it is quite cruel. Yeah. And that's not yeah. fair. What about that side of things? She should know better. This is not a fucking Pepsi commercial. Okay? Right. <laughs> the same thing like I was saying about my daughter. It's not a question of policing what she does. It's also, are you prepared for the backlash or if you're prepared for cruel criticism? Because we know that that minefield in social media is nasty. Because even us laughing at the memes that followed, at the heart of it is a 14-year-old boy who might have been doing something that he thought was so genuine and okay. What if even that wasn't even his dance for that moment? Maybe he was just doing a Michael Jackson impression and she took that and decided right. to attach it to that. We don't know that. Madonna is a clout chaser, even though she's Madonna. It wasn't long she had her calling her white son the N-word. Not long ago that she was doing that. thinking it was Whoa! okay. Um, how many years now? I don't oh. remember that. Yeah, did a quote and said something about this, this nigger. Madonna. Her, but it wasn't about her black children, of course. Her white son, she called him that. Because he was doing something. The son that she got with... Um, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. She said, this nigger. Hashtag or something like that. With reference to her white son. So and, and you guys think that that son is okay, yeah? The that's black son. That's no, all I really want to say. They don't really care about us. So like, like, literally, there was bare people like, I'll swing by and get you. Like, I'll, come, <laughs> I'll come and pick you up, dude. Like, you need to leave. Like, leave her. Get the hell out. It's get out all over again. <laughs> get out, get out part edition. two. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? For me, David looks all right. It's the twins, the, the little, little ones that I look a bit like... You've got twins? Yeah. It's twins. Yeah, so she, she's got... Yeah, I swear she's got, like, Mercy, and then she's got two other ones, or there's another one after Mercy. Mercy, the daughter, yeah. Yeah, there's oh, another... Okay. I feel like there's another, another Are they black one too? or another two. Yeah, something... Yeah, they're black. If oh, it's not really? one, it's two. Something so. Anyway. What? Sorry, can someone, like, do a study on, like, why this happens? Yeah, why Rich 
wealthy, famous people just go and get pluck black babies out of Africa and raise them? And then also what happens to them afterwards? Do you know what I mean? Because Steven Spielberg's daughter, ain't she gone into porn now? Yeah. Are any of them doing okay? That's why I would <laughs> any of them just cool and normal. We will know probably in the next 10 to 20 years what this trend brings out because it's mm. so relatively new. It really did start off from the late 70s. Like there's a few yeah. that are older now and mm-hmm. I would say they're questionable, but they are coping. But it's the ones that are coming along now, like Madonna's ones, um, Angelina, so many Jolie, Jolie. Like, there's so um, many actresses. They're young. Sandra Bullock. Yeah, yeah, they're under 10. So give it another 10 years. It's not just actresses. There are lots of musicians that had it. There are lots of kind of upper middle class families that took this on in America and in the UK as well. Chinese children, mm. African children. When those kids start to talk about <laughs> their lives, I really think we will have a lot of horrific stories from them in terms of like sex trafficking. I think there's some way where this is like selling children to other people, like a handbag ritual selling children. And when those kids start talking, we're all going to be like, yeah, we thought it was just identity, but I swear it's not identity. I think it's going to be way more bodies. They're doing something with them. This just to say, with Sandra wow. Bullock, she adopted the son because her friend died. So that's what happened with... I don't know what happened with the daughter that she has, but she adopted the boy because he was a, a someone's, like, one of her friends. And Just to clarify, it was in 2014, Madonna calls her son the N-word on Instagram and deletes the comment. She posted a photo of her 13-year-old son, Rocco, obviously was 13 at the time, with the hashtag, this nigger. And then she had to come out and um, apologise. I'm sorry if I offended anyone with the use of the N-word on Instagram. It was not meant as racial slur. I'm not racist. There was no way to defend the use of the word. It was all about intention. She said it was used what was your term. intention? It what was, was your intention? As, it was used as a term of endearment toward my son, who is white. I appreciate that it's a provocative word, and I apologise if it gave people the wrong impression. Madonna did that in 2014, yeah. Help David, please. So my story, um, <laughs> I saw, <laughs> on the back of what you asked, um, what you said, um, um, Auntie Sade, there's two stories, sorry, there's two. There's a, a woman who um, killed her autistic child, and I yes used the excuse that two black men did it again karen's using the monster of a black man to excuse their crimes but a story that came out that i was going to talk about a youtuber placed her autistic Mm, adopted son from china with a new family after making content with him for years so i heard it's like i don't i do not know her backstory her name's Micah Stav- Stauffer, who's built, built her YouTube following partly by sharing every step of her journey to adopt a toddler from China. And recently, people who, or whoever follows them, noticed that he was absent from videos. And so they're like, what's going on? And so then a tearful video followed saying that, you know, his autism became too hard to manage. So they found and placed him with a family who will love him. Now, I am... <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> who will love him? Who will be able to take care of him in a better oh, okay. way. Okay, sorry. Love him better and give him the better care that he needs. There's so much levels in this. And I'm, because I, I mean, I've got an autistic brother and I have a close friend who has an autistic son and I know how difficult it is to raise 
children who are autistic, especially if they're on the higher end of the spectrum of autism. But it's the little boy from China minding his own business. And maybe he would have had a terrible life in China with autism. Who knows? However, you guys took it upon yourselves. The story was they actually wanted to adopt a white child, but then somehow it came to them to get a Chinese child. And then somehow they chose to get an autistic child. I don't know if his autism manifested it more than they expected. I don't know what bubble they were in when it came to adopting a child with special needs. However, they did and they filmed the journey. And when it got too much, and they're making millions off their page, when it got too much, they gave the child away. And I cannot think beyond anything than how fucking irresponsible and disgusting. They've got three or four natural children. And I, my cynicism is that they wanted the happy, easy life of being a YouTuber family, making millions, and actually having to focus on a child that's got severe autism takes you away from doing that job because it is gonna be very difficult to have this child on camera and then he's not reacting the way that he needs to and stuff like that. So I have no sensitivity. However, I'm conscious that actually, maybe they did do a good thing that if they realize that we cannot deal with this and we don't wanna give up our life, it is the better thing they gave that child to someone who will have the focus. But at this point, this feeds into this narrative about what you were saying, Sade, about I mean, what is the stats of non-white children being adopted by white families, how they fare in later life. So I watched their video of when she explains it, when she comes forward to her community to say, this is what we've decided. And then I watched some past videos where the boy was in them and they were like having family life. And I really just came away like, these guys are charlatans. This was a storyline that I was really like, you ran with this thing of, we are going to adopt uh, an ethnic child and the ethnic child that you adopted happened to have special needs and that didn't fit in with the storyline that they wanted for their new family life that they were sharing on youtube i was just disgusted by them i thought there was nothing genuine about them at all her tears to me just read so crocodile it was acting and poor quality acting at that it wasn't real it wasn't genuine it was like one two three and cry one, two, three, and trip over this work. It was just so rehearsed. I I was sickened watching them. I really was like, this is is really disgusting human behavior. And I absolutely believe in the laws of the universe and they will get theirs. Soul-wise, they will get theirs. It, It was actually really, it was quite distressing to watch. And I did, after watching all of it, I was like, I really have to meditate on this and do some inner work. I was traumatized watching them. Like, how can people do this and then create a YouTube video on this right. that's monetized? Even if you was really trying to be like, we're sharing our story, you can turn off the monetization. And I right. looked specifically to be like, I wonder if this is monetized. Yes, it's monetized. It's just like, you're disgusting. And what I heard about is that what she was trying to say in the midst of the crying in that video was that there was other conditions that they weren't aware of and that's why they couldn't necessarily handle it. But I don't think it takes away from the fact that they're just coming across as white saviors. Like white people that only people to adopt and be able to give someone a better life i just hate that kind of story do you know what i mean like they just feed into that whole disingenuous realm i don't believe them either do you know what i mean i think it's all about views and likes and Mm. trying to be popular trying to stay relevant and trying to make money it's just really really disgusting and i think that they should probably be banned 
from yeah. adopting anyone ever again. They basically treated that little boy like he was a puppy or like a gift that they just, you know, got. And then just, oh, I have no use for it now. So it's just going to go. What I thought was even more, I guess, heinous as well was like, it was such a vague explanation. Mm. So you've basically exploited this child all this time and now you're just going to do one, two, cry. And that's the end of it. And now we should respect your privacy. Get yeah. the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It's not like they just had the child for a couple of months or, right. you know, they had been raising this boy. And my question to them would be, if you were to suddenly discover that one of your natural children yeah, were right. to have the same illness, would you ferry them off to someone else too? And I couldn't have put it any better. They treated this child like a puppy that they got and they didn't want anymore. And they were like, I'm going to return you back to the pet shop. I just feel like it is a massive, massive abuse of the whole um, adoption system. What's Mm -hmm. happening right now. It's disgusting. People should not be allowed to do that. You know, do we need to make t-shirts that says a child is for life, not just for Christmas? Is that what we need to do now? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't watch the video because I thought I'm not even going to add contribute to your likes or your numbers and um so i didn't even see them in human form actually talking about it. i didn't even want to get involved i read the story and i was like fuck off and the article did go on to say that they've made majority of their money on the back of this story of adoption so they're who they are because of this chinese boy and someone was saying that actually you should take down every single video that featured him you probably spent the money but turn off those videos do not no longer have that narrative attached to your story. Yeah. Do not, at least if we go, because there's no repercussions, obviously. You're not going to get in trouble. People are going to continue to follow you and um, support you. And you're still going to be the famous, whatever crappy family you are. And that's it. Do what you're doing in it. No repercussions. But take that young little boy out of your story, because that's mm. you don't have the right. I hope when he gets old, he fucking sues them. I hope he has the capability to sue them. And just on the backdrop of multi-interracial adoption and stuff like that, I... Um, have had a bee in my bonnet about this. I've experienced it. I was fostered twice. I can't remember the first family, but my mum always said they were brilliant. And the second family, I remember them not being so great. And I remember them not wanting to have much to do with me. I was luckily not someone who was abused physically, sexually or beaten or anything like that. But I was neglected because they didn't give a fuck about me. They took the money that they got and then just left me to do whatever I needed to do. So it was actually, I had a best friend who I spent more time with or when I could go, when I was allowed to go out, or I was actually shoved into the, they live next door, I think, or in the same street as one of them's, the mum or the dad's parent was nearby. And so when they wanted to go out on family trips, they'd leave me with him and he was practically incontinent and just could barely move or whatever. And so I used to just be stuck with him in the house because they didn't want to walk around with me in the village. And so I have a strong reaction to trusting white people with, children that are not of their heritage and the extra work they're going to do to put in to make sure that child feels okay in the home because you are it's bad enough being a stepchild to a new family I've been a stepchild um when my mum remarried and being the other child and trying to fit into another group of people who are related to each other know each other so let alone being in a whole culture that's not yours and being the only one Mm -hmm. in the house it's a lot of work you need to do. And I feel like this white savior thing is all well and good. I don't understand how you, why that's there because you think that you're going to write the world. Cause it's a very arrogant thought as well. Mm-hmm. That you're going to take this poor little black or 
non-white child and save them from their terrible existence. You know, when they tour orphanages, they go on an orphanage tour of back home countries and pick the worst child that looks like the most feeble and who cried out to them. So you brought them over, you brought them over to save them from their fucking selves. You don't know what that would have, and maybe yes, their life in an orphanage, in an impoverished orphanage would have been terrible, but or maybe not, maybe they were better off because maybe their life in this Western world, the shit that we're dealing with today, is this so much better? So yeah, and I always remember there was um, sun, the Sunday question time that Nikki, what's his name, used to host. I don't know if they still do it. I don't think Nikki they do Campbell. Show. Yeah, Nikki Campbell. There was a, a show about adoption back then, and I remember a woman called Precious who was adopted, and that, white, that black guy who we... The ultimate, ben Douglas. Thank you. Ben Douglas was like, it's all fine. It's wonderful. I was adopted. I'm perfect. Later life, he has didn't show him the race card and then had to eat his words because he suffered some shit himself. However, that conversation was so triggering because the audience was like, you know, black culture, there's no black. What's black culture? It's all the same. We don't have any culture. It's all the same. It's fine. And they rolled out, you know, countless white parents who'd adopted and say, you know, I care about my black children. I love them. I'm not racist. And it's just like, you are discounting the story of everyone was jumping on pressures. And there's another black man who was talking so much truth. They were jumping on them as being aggressive black um, racist, reverse racist. And they were swallowing everything Ben Douglas said because he was the one black man in the room who said it was okay and he had a great experience. They discounted everyone else's narrative. So I have a real, I, it's so arrogant. I don't think you shouldn't, but put in the fucking work. I mean, Angelina seems like she does more cultural sensitive work with her kids. I don't know because it's still a meme that they put out there. So I don't know that, what goes on in their household, but do the fucking work. If you really need to go and adopt a child that's not from your culture, do the fucking work. Make sure they are connected to their home country. Make sure you know the fuck what they're doing. And when they're going through moments like this, it's times like this, when you not, as a, as a, as a white parent of, non, of especially black children, you better have them answers. You better let them be racial. You better not shut them down. You better not tell them that, oh no, it's okay. We're all one and we don't see color. You better raise them kids properly. Wait, sorry, were you saying Angelina does more than Madonna? I don't know. I can't, it looks like poster-wise, it looks like yeah, Angelina's Yeah, I, I would say. Touch, I don't know, because Madonna, she's been problematic. So I really, in, in, in what I know, which I don't know these two people at all, mm. it looks like Angelina is a bit, a bit more well-rounded with her stuff than Madonna. That doesn't necessarily mean to say that shit isn't going on behind closed doors or that Madonna mm. is actually doing stuff. She's just a bit nuts and loops herself. And actually maybe those kids are very well happy and connected. Who's watched the Jeffrey Epstein's uh, documentary on Netflix? Yep. Yep. I, I couldn't watch all of it. I, I got to episode three. I think it was all too much for me. Yeah. What did you guys think? Boy, so I can have this conspiracy theory edge to me against you guys and your normal selves. I watched the whole thing and... I thought it was like a man who was a part of this society who had got out of check with what they allow to take place. And he had gone above and beyond that and they needed to terminate him. So I was looking at the flight record of all the people that had gone to his island and was in association with him. Because to fly to his island, you are his guest. So you must be of some sort of business connection or a, a friend of some sort or a colleague in some, some way. And mm. the list of people on the flight records, I thought it was enlightening for where my mind goes in terms of conspiracies. 
and lots of celebrities that to me have shown themselves to be very problematic to society at this moment. So namely Oprah was on there. Bill Clinton was on there. And I do actually like this dude, but Will Smith was on there. Chris. No. Yeah. It was so questionable because it's like, okay, there was too many people who are in the higher echelons of um, our entertainment industries, politicians who had all gone to this man's island. And this man, in regards to lots of his staff that was around him, they all seem to know that this dude is basically a sex trafficker. Like he, he has young girls and he prostitutes them out. And it's just like, no, this is, it was really disturbing. And I just felt like no, everybody on that list needed to be investigated properly. Like they, I don't know how it can happen because they're all so collected, but it was just like, oh my God, you're all in this. And it was disappointing. I think that what these paedophiles and rapists and those people have in common is that they are wolves in sheep's clothing. So what they do is they have their own clique of wolves, but they dress themselves as sheep and they hide within plain sight. Yeah. So I do feel like not everyone who's been associated with these people are as guilty as these people. Now, whether or not they know, because this is the thing, I do feel like a lot of times they've heard the stories, like the R. Mm. Kelly stories and stuff like that. But, I feel like they're like, well, it hasn't happened in my sight or I haven't seen any of it. So they kind of disassociate themselves from responsibility of what that person potentially has done. But I'm not going to put my hand in the fire for nobody other than myself. But I feel like there are a lot of celebrities who they know, like the guilty people know that if they bring them along, then they look less guilty. So there's an element of that. There are some very questionable people there as well. But I do feel like there's an element of how can I make myself look less guilty? How can I protect myself? I know I'm going to associate myself with these other people of past and what I'm doing because oh, I'm with Oprah or I'm with Will Smith. The thing is, I wasn't actually shocked. I was just like, look at this guy. Look at how richness, money, whiteness allows for this to be go on. And I think um, in amongst all the stuff of George Floyd, uh, I watched Trevor Noah's commentary on society and I really, really felt what he was saying about the contract that we are born into, that we have no choice but to sign. We don't even sign it. We're just born onto this contract of society, of how to behave in society. How, when people are criticizing the looters and all that type of stuff, how we are looting, in quotes, in reaction to a society that's enforced on us by leaders who don't uphold society themselves. We've got people like Trump, mm. Prince Andrew, Jeffrey mm. Epstein. This man mm. was allowed. George Floyd died on the premise that he used a fake $10 bill on the premise. Mm. But yet you've got a white man, and it's not even like he's doing it to black people, two young white girls, mm. taking them, plucking the most broken white girls that you can find, to then serve, his, serve out his bidding and serve out his friend's bidding. And people know it from the fucking people at the top of the law FBI, all that type of stuff, all in cahoots. Some of them who are good, who want to enforce the story and get him in trouble, get him got, get him locked up. But yet someone comes, steps on that. No, sir, you can't do that because he's too big. You're going to have to go away, pull that case back, and then we're going to keep it moving. They find attorneys who defend them, who stand there in court saying, my client is innocent, knowing that he's not or they are not. 
So, and yet we are bound to rules that is not being adhered to. This is why society is so fucked up. This mm. is, and it's on the back of white men and their ally and their white counterpart. Because Gaylene, what's her name? Gisling, Gisling, that mm. woman who is so protected, who is complicit in, in every single way, but yet she's got a car, she's, a, she's free, she's okay. Prince Andrew can go on television and talk shit about a picture he doesn't remember, but there's a picture there. There's an mm. actual picture with his arms around a 17-year-old girl. And yet this man can come on TV and say, well, I don't know what it was. I don't sweat anymore. And I have <laughs> What? You're lying to us. And it's Empress, as I've said, from young, it's Empress New Clothes. That story is for life as it stands. The Empress New Clothes. I'm wearing this finery and it's bullshit. You're lying to us. And we're supposed to stand and not bun down a fucking shop. Are you mad? The thing about oh, the people being on the list and the problematic people who have had stories that have followed them over the years, which is interesting, and we don't want to talk about it as black folks. I don't want to question Oprah. I don't want to have to question Will Smith. I don't want to question Naomi Campbell. I agree with you, Farah, that yes, these people surround themselves by people that will make them look good and make it harder for people to say, ah, these people are so good. We love them so much. You could never be as bad as that. They'd know. But also there's this thing, thing about us as black people trying to, be seen and accepted into white culture and white society because when we reach a certain level it's like when do you realize as black folks that we can't be like them and we shouldn't be like them when do mm. we realize that you can't be on you can't be flying we flying to jeffrey's island for what purpose for a party <laughs> if it's that you're not involved in this sex what the fuck are you doing at this man you know we hear shit before anyone let me tell you this now black folks they we hear shit we know how to keep shit quiet so what the fuck are you getting on this man's plane for for what benefit? For a couple of extra million? What? What is it? What uh, Anonymous brought out. Yeah. I just started watching it and then that came out and yeah. I was just like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> what I was just a bit shook and I thought, let me, you know when you're in the house by yourself and you're just like, okay, you're someone watching, watching me. <laughs> <laughs> For those that don't know, it was basically, uh, I, I'm guessing, unsealed documents for settlements of um, cases brought against Donald Trump and Epstein of raping girls and boys mm. over a period of years. And these are the people that are controlling mm. the world. I kind of stopped watching it because I was just like, oh my God, how do you get out of this? Because Trump is the president. He's calling the National Guard to basically commit civil war in his country. I think a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking like, oh, this guy's trying to start a race war. Like for mm. real. For real, <laughs> for real, he really is. That woman, Jeline or J whatever her name is, she's problematic. I actually thought, and I, I'm not victim blaming or anything like that, but I did think it was peculiar of the two sisters in the beginning, when they're talking about the sisters, she's taking photos of her sisters naked or half naked, pre-puberty and painting them. I was just reflecting like, you know, some people just don't have anyone around them to say that that's not okay. They don't have enough protection to say, don't do that. Or, you know, if your friend asks you to go to someone's mansion and massage a guy for $200, then that's not okay. Mm -hmm. That also as well, if I don't want to do it, I shouldn't bring my friend to do it or bring 40 other or 60 other girls to do it. And I do get there's, that there's, a process of grooming and all that kind of stuff and everything like that but it's just it's so easy to be able to do that or to be able to be manipulated that you don't have that grounding I do think not all the time but a lot of the time in black households especially 
there is a definite you can't even eat at someone else's house let alone go to a man's house and massage him and for him to actually just strip thinking that that's going to be okay it's difficult like i said not victim blame because you just don't know what people's circumstances are their self-esteem all that kind of stuff and they're also very young but it's just we definitely need to have a bigger conversation that that messaging of protection of young girls needs to be done much earlier much more widespread and do you know what i mean so these things can't happen so these men can't manipulate them or even these women can't manipulate them also it's money though isn't it it's like that allure of money and people being very vulnerable in their own lives and then you have rich people who you think know so much more than you and they're just able to hone in on your vulnerabilities and take you to various different places but also it was like the access that people seem to be able to have to such young people like after school going to somebody's house for hours like all of that is there's actually a lot of people who really because their parents are probably working or drugged out or drinking or just not really involved in their teenagers like kind of you bring yourself up and then you have these vultures who have mansions i think the allure to get them in probably is so easy this is a filthy rich guy again that whole he can change your life he loves people he's so good it's like all of that i could see how even somebody who may not have been as damaged as the women that they showed and i think Mm -hmm. the ones that were featured were really featured particularly because their stories were so easy to kind of strike a chord with our heartstrings like you really preyed on them but i bet you there was hundreds of others who don't have that poverty story who still got pulled in with the Mm -hmm. money and whose families are complicit in it we only got to look at um the pied piper yeah r kelly yeah yeah family are handing you their children Mm -hmm. because of you are a millionaire but like i think mm-hmm. that the kind of allure of celebrity and how you can easily get hordes of other humans that will give you access to their children purely because they've seen you on a box in their house or heard you on the radio it's quite fascinating to me but where i was really like okay there needs to be a documentary on oprah and oprah has been auntie to me for years mm. is her proximity to these problematic men and not talking about them so Jeffrey Epstein is kind of like your loose friend but Harvey Weinstein was your brethren Mm -hmm. and they seem to all have these real scummy histories that I don't understand how you wouldn't know about this how Mm -hmm. you would be so blind somebody who absolutely trades on I'm able to read people and get information out of them and the best out of them is blind to these men who have lots of women that they're abusing, including Russell Simmons. I can't wait for this documentary to come out. I keep on hearing things about it. And it is like this dude, when we all start to see how problematic he has been, again, Mm. she was friends with him until she turned against it. And it's like, there's there's too many of these madams that Mm. are co-signing in the same way like you have black rappers who give people access to our culture. They're it all goes in a triangle white supremacy has the two pillars of white women and black women who also help and black men it's like you all help this thing keep on going because you you take our guard down we Mm. have you as our auntie and uncle and it's kind Mm. of like oh so this person isn't that bad because you have proximity to them but you're all 
as bad as each other, really. These people, it's like they're trained at the same schools. Because when <laughs> I first started watching the Epstein thing, I thought this is so similar to the R. Kelly thing. Because yeah. I watched that Surviving R. Kelly as well. And it was very, very similar in their approach to getting these young girls and what they did. And you tell your friend to tell your friend that type yeah. of scenario. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then if you look at Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein, their approaches are also very similar in what they do. It just seems like, like they're trained. Jimmy Savile went to that school too, probably ran it. There's um, lots of English people, British people, that have done it as well. It's not just an American oh, thing. Oh, yeah, of course. So there's a lot of guilty people. What do we know, right? What do we know? And the conspiracy, I'm, you know, I'm quarter, I'm mixed race, you know, banana. I'm half um, conspiracy, <laughs> half <laughs> I'm there with you. I believe, I have no knowledge, there is a level of money you make where you have to make a decision whether to go left or to go right. And once you go make whatever choices on that side, to go further into that space, you, there are sacrifices you have to make because it seems like even the fact there's black folks with much, levels of money where they could resolve certain issues and they don't, and yet, but they do maybe do a charity or something and you know that that's limiting. You could actually just go and buy this block and, or build this school and just do it, but why don't you? And yet you're on the other hand, you're professing and you're preaching and you're saying we need to change the community and the narrative. So it seems like there is a limitation and it's down to money. Just um, then in the Twitter sphere, someone had, we posted a clip of Donald Trump talking to Howard Stern. And Howard Stern, for those of you who don't know, in, during the I think, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, he was like one of the biggest radio shock jocks. And there was a trend of shock jocks that used to be rowdy and say what they like and all this type of stuff. And Howard Stern was one of the biggest ones. And he used to be very sexist, misogynist and racist and all that type of stuff. And he had Donald Trump on, because when Donald Trump was the it boy, of the time and Donald was talking about Lindsay Lohan who was then 18 and him and mm. Howard Stern were discussing Lindsay Lohan and Donald Trump whoever said it the conversation was like oh have you seen her freckles yeah she's got freckles on her chest I know and kind of like yeah I really know that she's got freckles on her chest and saying that um I wonder if she's got daddy issues because it's those ones who are broken they give you Donald Trump said those on the broken backgrounds, they give you the best sex. I don't know what it is, but you get the best sex from those broken girls. You don't want to wife them. In, you didn't say wife, obviously, I'm paraphrasing. Mm. You don't want to wife them, but you definitely want to have a good, you're going to have a good time with them. The broken ones always give you the best sex. This is two grown fucking adult men in public, celebrity icons, uh, talking about an 18-year-old troubled girl, because we know about Lindsay Lohan's issues, but talking about her at the age of 18, her freckles on her chest, and that wondering, speculating if her sex is going to be good. And these are the people that were upheld by society. Oprah's been my auntie for a long time. She, I really, she needs, boy, I'm scared for that documentary, boy, I'm scared. I think that uh, Trump's wife may have been trafficked, man. Well, <laughs> come on. I think, I think he bought her, to be honest. To be honest. She's, yeah. yeah, and she's still paying it off. That's why she's, yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. She's blinking, mate. What does he See. need to do for you to free me? <laughs> exactly. I don't feel sorry for her, but it's Ugh. laughable. Every time she tweets, everyone's like, yeah, but you wore that coat that said you don't care. Err, your husband, <laughs> yeah, Anytime yeah, yeah, yeah. she says a damn thing, like, what are you yeah. talking about? Like, don't contribute to this narrative. Your husband is over there doing the most, and you're contributing <laughs> to this narrative. She yeah. must be the most hated first lady. Hated, but yet revered, because the, if you see Trump supporters, and this is the thing, I think we've spoken about it, like, going back to everything that's going on, what does Trump have to do? Because people are still, you've got, we talked about Candace Owens, and she 
is challenging the narrative about, and she had a point, she has some threads. She has some threads in what she's saying about us not being shit <laughs> black folks. As black no. Folks, I'm just saying there's some things no. that she says that I have said that in regards to, and we have all said in regards to not being sheep and thinking for yourself. But then how do you as a black woman, and there's, I, can't, I still can't remember the name of the other woman who wears a MAGA hat, black woman who wears a MAGA hat in her profile, and there's a black ma boy man who does the same thing, and they just cape for Trump blindly and do not even condemn. They were condemning the black folks on the streets. And as Nana says, there's all these gatekeep, these um, validators, we've said it, from Virgil, from the ASAP Rockies, who will cuss a black woman over a white woman from the Oprah's and the people who are friends of people like Epstein and Weinstein that don't hold them to account, hold them to account. What is it that they have to do? Cause that's why I was saying, Melania, there are people saying that she's better than Michelle Obama as a first lady. <laughs> what the fuck has she done? What does she do? She can't even, and it's not about not being able to speak English, but you can't even speak. You can't string a sentence together that's coherent. Be best, be best. Come on. She stole, she stole, um, Yes, um, Michelle's yep, speech. speech. Anyway, seriously, right. so I sh she just needs to sh shut up, mate. Seriously, <laughs> but Candice Owens, can I just say, yeah, this woman is yeah. so problematic. She is the same vein. She was the one that coached Kanye, to be honest, and mm -hmm. like and put him on the path of the lostness. He's lost because of her. I don't even know how to describe her. She's like the pimp of the Antichrist. That's who she is. She is gutter, yeah. scum, whatever. She uses racist talking points to make points to black people to break them down. The points that she makes are so like destructive to the black narrative. It's just unreal. At the end of the day, of course, everyone should think what they want to think. But look at who you're supporting. Look at what you're actually doing. You basically hate yourself. You hate what the community that you're from. How, we cannot trust what you're saying. I can't stand people like her. It's using that kind of position of like, oh, if I make an intelligent point, I must be right. Mm -hmm. No, what you're doing is manipulating. That's what you're manipulating the situation. And maybe you can debate. Maybe you can do that. And maybe that's your skill. But really and truly what you stand for, what your intent is, nah, you, you're scum, man. Antichrist. That's who she is. Antichrist. <laughs> I don't have those same feelings towards her. You know what it is? I think there's space for everybody. And I think she occupies an interesting space. What I don't like is when we follow the same path without analysis and presence to change our minds on things. And I like that sometimes her opinions offer that other side that black people don't want to hear because it's really uncomfortable to go there. And I think she can occupy that space. I think Fully always, always comes into either side when you align yourself with being on the right or the left. That's when you're going to go down a folly road. And I, I think it's stupid when black people align themselves with the left because the left is just as racist as the right. Yeah. Right. And if she was more impartial, I'd probably have a lot of similar thoughts to her. Mm. But where she is so conservative and Republican, it's like you're as stupid as the people yeah. who you are calling stupid. Because you're aligning yourself with men and women that will sell you down the road very quickly. And if you haven't learned from Amorosa that this is what happens to you. When they're done with you, they will spit you out and call you stupid and, and then you ain't got a job. That's where it ends. 
Stacey Dash, critically thinking about the black experience and just being a human where we should be, I think that's important. I wouldn't follow anybody blindly. I think you have to look at it. And sometimes she does provide that discourse in there's a narrative and everybody is jumping to the to the tune of what they want you to do. But that's about it with her. Like I think she's given way too much airtime as well. That's the other thing. Like I, I she isn't even that intelligent to be like an antichrist. That's what makes it worse. Let's not forget, as history has shown us, there have been black people within our communities who yes. are willing to sell us down right. the road in one way, shape or form. And that's right. basically what these people are doing. Been in that guise and they're the ones that have sold us to the slave owners and they've, they've hunted us down through the bushes when we're searching for freedom. They've done all that kind of a stuff and, and, and it, it hasn't stopped. It's just continued in different guises. I think, Auntie Nana, what I'm going to do offline is I'm going to compile some things about <laughs> Candice. So to give you a balance, more balanced view that she is an agent of destruction. I don't really follow anyone properly apart from Beyonce and Jay-Z. That's, <laughs> but we'll push that aside. <laughs> but apart from, apart from them two, like, the thing is, because she lies, she makes up things, she makes up facts. She is there to be a pundit to basically get black people away from the Democratic Party, not to better themselves, just to do that. So, no, she's, yeah. So I'll put something together for you and then you Thank can you. have a rounded opinion, please. I agree, she's, um, she's self-serving. I do see where Nana's coming from in regards to the things that she says. Unfortunately, the deliverer, the messenger is problematic. There's just some things that she says in the space when you need to even just validate the opinion that you're feeling by not agreeing with what she says. She does help like, oh, okay. I just, yeah, she comes in a problematic package and it is self-serving and serving something that doesn't want anything to do with black folks and progression and advancement. So on that note, you guys have gone in deep. It's dilemma time, I think. Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. Taken from our inbox, if I can find it. Where's the email? Dear aunties, I really in bold letters, need your help right now. I need some auntie advice or I'm about to go to jail. My ex-girlfriend and I were together for six years. We didn't have any children. The relationship started off amazingly and after a year of dating, she moved into my flat. That's when things started to go wrong. She lost her job after about six months and never got another one. I supported her the whole time and was happy for her to have access to my bank account. Things slowly went from amazing to toxic. She would use my money to treat herself and her friends. She would stay out all night. She wouldn't pay the bills when I asked her to. Soon I opened up a joint account and put an amount in there every month just so that I could manage the bills out of my own account unaffected. She cheated on me multiple times, but the final straw was with her stealing from my mum and then denying it, even though the evidence was clear. She is my first love, but I just couldn't take it anymore. And I didn't trust that she could change. So I ended it. And she reluctantly went home to her mother's. That was in February. She didn't change any of her ID. When she was put on a tag for shoplifting, she ended up back at my house in March. Then came lockdown. I've been sleeping on my couch for months and I just can't stand the sound of her voice. It makes me so annoyed. I'm furloughed, so I'm stuck at home with her. I need her out. What can I do? 
I've told her that she needs to contact the courts, but she says she doesn't want to risk going to prison. I think it's all bullshit and her way of getting back with me. Help! Wait, oh I'm, my I'm confused. God. Why does she have to be at his? No. Because she changed her ID. And what happens is sometimes when you're registered to a certain address and you get bailed, you get bailed or put on tag to that registered address. Sure. Right. So I'm assuming this is what has happened in this scenario. So she had the power to use his address and now she's been sent to this address in theory and now he wants her gone. Yeah. Then she should. It'll take him six years. Yeah. And she's on tag. <laughs> she's on tag now remember what he said he said yeah, no, they broke mean, like, how yeah. old is she shoplifting isn't it so you do, sets no age limit doesn't say how old they are but she's, he said it's his first love so I would well, assume they're pretty young oh, from his mum <laughs> well that was a final straw <laughs> I mean <laughs> listen listen we are all astounded <sighs> by his whole letter but I think we need to offer this brother some advice because it's not often... we got a bag of advice for girls all oh, the time. It's okay. not often that we can offer a brother some advice. Brother, no. If he can write to the courts or call the police or whatever kind of thing and like say that this isn't her home address and actually she's kind of conniting and um, maybe get, get them to change the home address kind of thing so she goes back to her mum's. And if that doesn't work, I think he might have to, like, this is bad, though, but he might have to trick her and, like, <laughs> make her be out after her curfew and then get the money to make her out. So that, that's not his problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but probably go with option A. <laughs> I, I, it's just making me... It, I don't understand. I, I don't understand because... Go. She won't go to jail, just like change the circumstances. She's manipulating you and you're the man. He's first love. Why are you bringing in the fact that she's your first love? Uh, stop that. Because if it was a woman, I'd be like, shut the f about first love. That doesn't even need to enter the letter, the email. It didn't need to enter anything. We don't need to know that she's your first love. That then alludes to the fact that you're still feeling emotions for her and you're feeling some kind of guilt and sorry for her. The girl has done the most. She's done way too much and now she's taken advantage of your hospitality. So I don't believe she will immediately go to jail. It's not that. You're a grown man, use the internet, find the facts. It happens, changes your circumstances. What if her home was a hostel or something and her lease was up? So anything, anything could have happened. So you're well within the rights of an address change. If she's got nowhere to go, then put her in a hostel. And if she has got to go back to jail, I'm so sorry, love. I don't know if you've got issues, you've got psychological issues, but you stole, you got caught. Do the crime, do the time. Brother, you're making this longer than it needs to be. Speak to the people then and tell them that she no longer lives here and tell her to go. To me, it's very simple. Probation officer, mm. she doesn't live here anymore. You need to find her a hostel or her yeah. mother's or a friend. It's just, it's not my problem anymore. I don't want her in my house. It's very simple. When she goes to see her probation officer, if you're too scared to have the conversation, leave a note on the door for her to take to the probation officer. You sign it and you change the locks. It is mm. not, or put a chain on the door. Like, it's just not that hard. I don't want to say, like, have some balls. I don't want to do all of that stuff. But, bro, human up. Just human up. Just, just pull yourself together. This is not hard. You deserve more. You do not need to be treated like this in any way that like she stole from your mother. You came to this earth through your mother. No. The way you're going, you'll end up in prison. She'll do something to you and you'll end up yes. to her in prison. Like she needs to go and you need to rid yourself of this and 
burn some sage in your house afterwards as well. Sure. I mean, he knows he's going to end up in prison because that's how he starts a letter. For me, I've got a few questions. Have you got sisters? No. Let me tell you this. If this was my brother, any of the seven, <laughs> there'd be some shit going down. Like this, There's no way on God's green earth I'd be allowing this. But on a, on a normal, non-violent note, he does need to contact her probation officer. There's many ways around this because he, like, he's trapped in the house with this mud gal. Mm -hmm. So he can contact the probation office. He can contact the police if he doesn't know where she goes to probation. But the most easy thing he can do, pack her bags, change your locks, put the bags outside. When her tag starts going off, she, the police will come for her or she'll have to go somewhere and she'll be picked up. She is not res your responsibility. You've been responsible for her for the last six years plus. You're not even with her. She's done everything that she can do to you, bar kill you. I don't care, she sleeps on the street, she cheated on you, and she stole from your mother. You're furloughed, so you're still paying all the bills. Exactly. With your furlough, 80% of your wages. No, she needs to jog on. Yeah. Absolutely, get rid of her. It, the thing is, anyone, if, she, if it wasn't you, she'd find somewhere to go. She would, mm -hmm. absolutely. she definitely has somewhere else to go, even if that mm -hmm. somewhere else is a jail cell. She has options. Options could be one of the numerous men that she cheated on you with, or yeah. one of the numerous friends that she spent your dough with. Okay. Dear aunties, really loving the show. I'm at home with my family, and it's been hell with my sister, who's two years younger than me, and she's just totally the worst person. Oh. She's always so petty and mean, and I don't understand her at all. Our parents are very protective. Even on my daily walks, she has to come with me, and it's just overbearing. And we can never really go out alone. Any tips on how I can survive this? So this just like, you know, sibling, she's annoying and gets on my nerves and is spoiled. Because it, there's a conversation to be had with the parents, a real sit-down conversation with the parents. If this is really to the point, it's just more than a bratty sibling. It's actually this sibling is not bullying, maybe because she's younger, but I mean, younger siblings can bully. Is it a point where she's manipulative and using her protected status in the house to really get at you because that, that happens? Or is it stuff that maybe you guys have got a miscommunication and your sister's feeling maybe neglected by you or feeling like you don't understand her so there's a conversation that maybe you need to have big sister to little sister um and be like okay so what is it is there something that i'm doing that you're not liking and how can we because the expectation where siblings are supposed to be the same think the same act the same be the same when actually especially when you're old and you've gone you're going through things that maybe you're not reflecting back into your family no one understands why your maybe personality might be different why you might need alone time because you're going through your own stuff so maybe it's a conversation that you need to have with your sibling as well Everything is about communication, but if your sibling is actually just a wicked piece of Sutton, then, then there might be some kind of mental stuff going on as well. So that's another conversation to be had. So there's no indications of how old this person is, but my first thought was just move out. This feels like a, a clear time for you. You need to maybe just have your own space and go it alone. Sometimes like distance, especially between siblings, any family situation, when you're really rubbing each other up the wrong way, that mm. distance can actually be the glue that you need to really appreciate the time that you spend when you're with them because you have your own space. And mm -hmm. if you're old enough, now is probably the time to leave and have some independence and not have to spend time with your sister. 
it just feels quite cruel. But when you both leave the house, why can't you just be like, hey, you go that way, I go this way, let's meet in an hour. Like, why would you still need to spend time with each other? The parents don't really need to know that you went separate ways. Yeah, I don't know. I just think leave, like move out, get your independence. Unless her little sister's a grass and will tell her parents. That's what I was going to say. For me, she should probably try to approach her parents and just let them know that, look, I just need some space. Why can't you take her when you go on your daily walk? I, you know, every other day, maybe she can come with me, but why don't you let her go with you and spend some quality parent time together? As everyone said, siblings will rub each other up the wrong way. It sounds to me like she's a teenager as well. But especially at those kind of formative years, you will rub each other up the wrong way because one of you will be nearing adulthood and the other one is probably just getting into her teens. So there is all that. But um, she shouldn't be your responsibility. Why are you responsible for going out with her every day? Put that on your parents. Let them know. You know, sometimes parents think, oh, you know, your siblings just all go together, not treating each child as an individual. I mean, I'm a near parent of one. But when I have all the nieces and nephews around, I notice each one's personality, who likes to be off on their own in a room, who likes to be with us in the same room. And you know, I just, you just kind of have to understand and respect that not everyone's going to be a blanket robot. I assume parents sometimes find it difficult to do that or oblivious to the fact that actually these two need to be treated differently because they have different needs. Because sometimes siblings, the relationship can be really wicked. Like I think we had an email in from um, someone before whose brother is actually physically bullying her and the parents Mm. are aware of it but are not doing anything about it because they're worried about his future because he's got tendencies and then as a result of that one child suffers you know to protect the others you know what I'm saying so Mm. if it's that bad and that serious and this child feels like she's got no voice and if she isn't old enough to move out then there is a real consultation that needs to be had like I said with the parents like mum dad or whatever mum mum whatever the situation is Dad, dad. Oh, oh God, we can go for all of them. Um, um, them, them, them. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> them, hey. Okay. Um, parents. Sorry. Parents. <laughs> Uncle, auntie. Um, people in charge of my life. <laughs> this is what I'm going through. And as that is, and every, as we said, like, can we just work out some sort of scheduling? And actually, this is how I feel. And then it's about your sibling being... There is a real alice because I remember when my um, I had a stepsister at one point and she was my world and I if I could just sit under a uh, crook of her arm and just look <laughs> at her face at the t- age that I was I would have done so but she made it very clear that I mean we had ish, you know family issues and she had her own stuff going on but there was a barrier I had respected that I stayed away from her but I know in on a in different situation I'd been up under her butt every minute of the day so <laughs> sometimes siblings just worship their older siblings and just want to be them and just so like little excited puppies that just want to be, you might be misinterpreting the need to be around you and mm. you need to maybe just find a way to adjust your personality to suit your sibling because they are looking up to you. Maybe you're being selfish, possibly, possibly. I mean, she says she's being petty and mean, so I don't know if it's a, a selfish thing. I mean, mm. she's just recognising the behaviour and not liking it. I think it's a tricky one, actually, because it depends if your parents are receptive. Mm. For some parents, especially if you're the older child, you're expected to look after every single younger child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So you might not be able to get out of that. I think if you do have some sort of authority there, it's maybe about exerting your authority. Do you know what I mean? And like trying to create some distance but I do think yeah if, if she can leave then maybe she should even if it's just for a little while or maybe go and stay with a relative 
mm. or something to create a little bit of distance and maybe that might help and then also as well maybe just keep a not in a, a thingy way but just keep a, a log of what you think are the mean things that she's doing as well Call HR. do you know what I mean <laughs> Um, I was going to add to that what you said about actually, I miss, I forgot the fact that she said that petty and mean behaviour could mm. be that stuff's going on at school or something or, you know, in this True. whole world of social media and stuff and stuff's going on online. So she's projecting what she's feeling onto the sibling. Mm. It might be a cry yeah. for help. It could be a cry for help. That shit's going on. She doesn't know how to understand it and how to deal with it. So she's taking it out on you and just being copying the behaviour that she's receiving and putting on you. Um, yeah. thinking that's the way to be so there's some of that as well I think it's difficult though mm-hmm. if you have a sibling that you don't like I haven't really had a sibling that I really don't like, like do you know what I mean that's I've got a lot of siblings there's like 19 of us <laughs> so 19 of us Jardy welcome there's not 19 of us but there's a lot of us I can get on with everyone if I choose to I can get on with everybody I guess how I feel about the situation, to be honest. Yeah, there's just sometimes there's fights. I haven't experienced that, like having... So my dilemma, it came in this morning and it's very, very on trend, very on point. Dear aunties, in light of everything going on, some of my white colleagues are asking me how I'm doing. I want to tell them to fuck off how do you think I'm doing, but I'm concerned I'm adding to the problem. If they're reaching out, this is exactly how we start to heal. But I'm just so angry and I can't see past my anger to make any white person feel better about themselves. However, these particular colleagues have been okay so far. No issues so far. I don't want to make them feel bad. How should I respond? But I think a level of honesty at this moment in time, it's like actually tell the truth. Just say like, um, I'm not feeling good about things. And if you really don't want to talk about it, also state that as well. Like I really don't want to talk about it at this moment as well. It's just too raw and I need time to process it and maybe in a couple of weeks time I'll come back to you and we could talk about it further don't go into I have to please them or serve my emotions on a dish for them to consume and no just if you don't want to talk about it you just say I don't want to talk about it and I'm not I'm not okay you shouldn't really ever feel like you know that you have to kind of disclose information if you don't want to I do think, though, that a lot of people at the moment are giving me advice or to, for people who are not from our community to check in with people from our community. Mm. So it's probably coming from a good place. However, you do want to protect, I guess, like, in a sense, like, protect yourself as well kind of thing because you don't want it to be people just ticking boxes as well to make themselves feel better about themselves. Only disclose what you want to take time you can say to them, you can't really talk right now. But then also as well, I think maybe my favourite is checking in with HR to see <laughs> what, what provisions they have for you and this current climate and also what guidelines they're giving people who don't fit into your community on how they should approach the situation and see if they're following those guidelines as well. So you know where they stand and also you can direct them somewhere maybe as well kind of thing, or even the company can direct themselves somewhere if they have questions. Because what you don't want is like, you don't want to be put in a position where you're answering questions on behalf of the black race. So you definitely need to protect yourself in that sense and hold the company responsible. You can tell them how you feel if that's how you want to, or if you don't, you don't need to say anything. It's not your job to, Um, it's their job. And this is the problem. It's their job to educate themselves in order to make change. We've been trying. We, we are going through it. It's not our responsibility 
to continually explain to people why these things are a problem why you know oh i don't have a chip on my shoulder it's a knee on my neck it's not our job to do that so i was speaking to someone and they were saying that you know they've got people saying oh i saw will smith said this as if to say it's the first time it's ever been said and she's kind of feeling frustrated with that um so similar thing like just feeling this put upon responsibility to agree with people that you don't agree with so you don't come across problematic but also wanting to shout at the top of your voice that you're not okay I, and I agree it's honesty just say you know I don't feel okay I don't want to talk about it but also I guess people in because I've had that feeling of like you don't want to be the problematic one in the room where you're pushing back against white folks so they then have an excuse to say well I tried and then this is how they responded because they ultimately there are a lot of them that will make it about them but that's their privilege they always turn our pain into theirs um, somehow and then we become mm -hmm. the aggressor so it's just it's something that you unfortunately can't take lightly and you do have to be careful especially with colleagues about your response having the backup of HR and resources from your workplace very good tactic to make, have, have ready but also just say you know what um, come back to you it's been interesting with this blackout thing I've been looking at my colleagues and seeing who mm. is being responsive mm. and who isn't and I can say this I am very pleasantly surprised Wow. by the vast majority of people and I think part of that is down to me and one of my coordinators he's a black guy black raster guy love him he's like my brother we are very passionate about making sure and this is just how I deal with it in my own workplace making sure that we do voice our opinions about stuff and we try to educate people but if that's not how you feel then you don't need to but I'm just saying in my own experience, when things have happened, I'm very vocal about it. If you feel like you can do that, do it. If you don't, it's not your responsibility. That was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas.youraunteescouldnever at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. This week, it's my Black in the Day. Uh, I wanted to go to black in the future and actually give our wishes our dreams for what the world would look like in our perfect future how would it look like if we didn't have racism what would the world look like to you if racism ended five ten years time seeing all the protests globally and people actually having a conversation and as i said people talking about it that haven't spoken about it before who aren't black. I've been thinking, what if we get to a point where this is no longer a topic? How amazing would that be if like our grandchildren, racism was just something that was in the history books? And I think for me, how it would look is that there's just no racism. I don't know how, to, how more to explain it. Like, you know, there's not the fear of when someone's walking down the street that they might get stopped just because of the colour of their skin or when they apply for a job, they're actually given the opportunity to go for an interview because it doesn't matter what their name is or, you know, just those sort of things. The same opportunities, the same privileges, for want of a better word, that are afforded to a certain race are afforded to everybody else. How would that look? That's a utopian world, isn't it? So that for me is just how it would be. No one being killed for the colour of their skin, no one being spat on because of the colour of their skin, none of that kind of crap. No more conversations about trying to explain what this shit's like so i think education would have to be like universal global education mm. do you know what i mean that everyone gets when i think of the future 
I don't think that's just going to be humans. <laughs> maybe because the introduction of maybe some aliens, all of that stuff just gets abolished. Like no one cares anymore because we're not the threat anymore. Do you know what I mean? There's something else that's a threat. So to a certain extent, I think discrimination probably will always exist in some sort of way or form, whether it's like from a different species or um, maybe poverty levels as well kind mm. of thing. I do watch a lot of dystopia type <laughs> films and series. So there's one I watched that called Altered Carbon. And yeah. basically they kind Very of live good. to get forever. Do you know what I mean? That kind of yeah. thing. So you just change your skin. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't actually matter what the colour of your skin actually is. Do you know what I mean? It just matters that, that you're alive. Uh, how much money that you got, or how much access that you have and that sort of thing. So I think it's probably going to be something like that or like in Bright. I don't know if you remember watching that Netflix yeah. movie. It's like everyone hated the orcs. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't like a human thing anymore. Um, we kind of like moved past that. I think that human beings are so flawed that they will find some way to do some sort of tribal-ish kind of to discriminate for something because it seems to be uh, a survival mechanism and we're still running on some of those survival mechanisms in our brain that seems to be innate so yeah that's what I think my world would be all blackity black 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 and <laughs> we'd, <laughs> um, we'd we just have weed? no 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 we we would oh we'd, sorry <laughs> no, not black and weed I mean yeah. If we, yeah I mean you can have some weed too would um, it be black or brown though brown whatever whatever the yeah. color whatever we call ourselves with this that yeah. i mean i'm not and that's not to i don't I, you can't even have this thought without then okay not you know some of you nice ones can come in but you'd have to really mm. rid yourself of your colonizing tendencies and i don't doesn't mean to say that my mixed race people can't be involved as well if you really recognize you know you admit i don't know what the fuck but anyway my world's black <laughs> that's what i'm saying and um we are on a level where we understand truly we've reached our full potential of knowledge of self we know who we are why we're so special we know why we're persecuted we know everything and with that knowledge we are powerful and wonderful we are the navi from what do you call it what's that show avatar we are the ah. we're everything mm -hmm. like that we're in touch with the earth we have reclaimed the earth we we know that we can go outside touch a tree and get life and give mm -hmm. back life we honour all the old ancestral rituals that made sense, not the silly ones. Um, we just are just so in tune with who we are. And there's no more of this mistrust. In my future, there's no black people saying, oh, black people don't support. There's no black people saying that, oh, black people, that just, that we just do this and we're so shit and we're not good enough and we do all this. None of that. We recognise our higher level beings. And when we say we're kings and queens, we actually mean it, not just saying a mean, just make ourselves fakely feel better. But that's my future. Mine's very similar. I feel this will happen in about five years' time. So <laughs> it's like there's wow. like a, a mass awakening and it starts with people with melanin. And the melanin starts activating and our DNA goes online. Like we all have two strands, but there's 12 that are in there, but there's also supposed to be like hundreds of strands of DNA, but they're dormant because we haven't activated them. So somehow our DNA starts activating and black people leave. We can leave here and black people start leaving. And because we start leaving en masse, 
then they try and offer us reparations. But we're all leaving because you can't get us through money because we're all activated. And we really do know who we are. So then people want to go to where we've gone to, but we've all gone and created our own world where racism is no longer there. And until you know how to activate your DNA, you can't join us in where we're going to. And the few people that get it and truly rid themselves of their psychosis, they're able to activate and meet us where all of the black folk have gone. And I say that will happen in five years. Thank you. Wow. I want to activate my DNA. Do it. <laughs> Mine's activated. Just saying. <laughs> I'm only hanging around for you lot. I'm waiting. <laughs> waiting for us. Just, just don't want to be on my own. <laughs> hey, I'm Auntie Shade. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. It's almost time to wrap up. Before we do, aunties, what's made you sad, mad or glad? I am glad to have the love of my friends and my family because it was my birthday last Wednesday and I can truly say that this is one of the best birthdays I've ever had. Yeah, it was just from start to finish, it was lovely. The bitch in here, Auntie AK, she got me some, some nice cupcakes and some oh, flares. I didn't. Because I was, I was moaning that <laughs> I don't ever get bought flowers. And now my, my <laughs> kitchen looks like a florist. Like, I just got loads of flowers. I've got loads of love. My family came round. My brother started the barbie. So it was just really nice on the actual day. And then I got got by the Gallim on Saturday as well. They came and surprised me. My sister-in-law had lied and said that she needed to wash clothes. And it was just nice. I just had a thoroughly nice birthday. So that is my glad. My sad is how I feel about the current climate and all the sadness and violence and death that's going on. And it's not only as a result of corona it's as a result of police brutality but just at the moment there seems to be more people just suffering than usual so that's my sad i don't have a mad i'm just glad and sad i suppose i'm glad that things are up in the air and there's lots of chaos but also that there's lots of conversations and a real shifting, like, you know, in chaos, new things can happen if it goes in the right direction. And I'm quite enthusiastic about where this could go, what could happen through this. Optimistic, I'd say. I'm optimistic about it. And then I'm sad that it took a black body for us to be at this moment in time. And for this change to be on the horizon because somebody died. I'm mad. No, I'm not mad. I'm glad, actually. I'm glad that because there's so many camera phones around that we're really being able to get an insight into how a lot of the instigators have nothing to do with the protests and that they're plants and that a lot of them are police. They're being paid by George Soros to cause chaos, that all of this information that used to sit in conspiracy theory land is now being shared openly on what you'd call normal people's Instagram pages. I'm sad obviously about the current climate and also mad about it. I think I'm glad two things. One that Trump's star 
his and his walk of fame mm. in Hollywood got defaced. Quite <laughs> happy about that, Carla. And uh, that I think we're one step closer to a different scenario, right? So there's no one situation is permanent, but I think we're one step closer to a different situation. So that makes me happy. So I'm sad because over the weekend lost a dear friend and it's just the cherry on top of a very shitty bowl of ice cream. So that's maybe very sad. I'm mad at, I think exactly that, that it's taken black pain to change the world, which makes me mad also that we have had such a number done on us that we don't know how amazing we are at times. And we turn that hatred of society that's put on us towards each other. So that makes me mad. I, I'm mad. And I'm mad at the, Des- the Jeffrey Epstein's and the Trumps that are running this world with impunity. I like saying impunity. I never know I use it properly, but that's the word without being, <laughs> yeah. without repercussion. Um, so there's a bunch of mad going on in my system. But I'm also glad for my circle. I'm glad for my girls. I'm glad for my homies. I'm glad for my aunties. Um, you guys are my real aunties. I'm just glad for the circle around me because in different ways, even if it's not every day that you're you know, talking or crying or anything, but just knowing that there's people that I can reach out to in this time who get it. I'm glad, I'm so glad my circle is blackety black and that there are people that understand my pain and can even just sit in silence with me or laugh with me or can just tell me something to pull me out of my funk or do anything like that. So I'm just very, very, very glad for my circle. And that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad and glad. If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AAK, on all social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. And that's our show. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never podcast, hosted by The British Blacklist. Please listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other listening platforms. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. See you later. (laughs)